Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Robo Hair. Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which we play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, I will be discussing Kickstart 2. Do you know where Kickstart 2 got its inspiration from? You will by the time you've listened to this entire episode. Now, before we get started with this episode's game, let's check the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy headlines. Well, it's been a minute since the last episode of Sprite Castle. Welcome back to the show, and um, I guess welcome me back uh, to your ears. <laughs> um, we, uh, I'm still working out the kinks here in the new studio, but we basically have everything set up, and uh, hopefully this will make it easier to get back in the swing of things and start regularly recording shows again. Uh, just a recap for anyone who's new or, you know, at this point, everybody's new, right? <laughs> We're all starting over. Uh, all of my podcasts are located at podcast.robohara.com. That includes Sprite Castle. Uh, there are RSS feeds for the show there. Of course, the show is also available uh, on iTunes. Uh, I released an episode of Multiple Sadness yesterday. And the iTunes feeds still seem to be working, so that's good news. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, the handle is at Commodork. So come follow me there. There's a Facebook page uh, called forward slash Robcasts. Uh, that is a page for all my podcasts. So if you want to come there and recommend a game or talk about this week's show or any of my other podcasts, that's a great place to do it. Uh, you can also email me at robohara at robohara.com if you have any feedback or anything you'd like to, uh, any information you'd like to give to me. Uh, I have now here's another news item. I have removed the links to the YouTube episodes of Sprite Castle. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Sprite Castle started life as a YouTube show, and I reviewed almost 30 games on YouTube before ditching that format and going to a traditional audio-only podcast. Now, um, the, the the videos are still on YouTube at this point, but they aren't being linked to from the website anymore. One of the things I plan on doing is going back and redoing those episodes in this audio format. So um, it was unfortunate that I started the show in that format because I covered so many great games and so many of my favorite games that never made it to this version of the podcast. So uh, for those of you that do remember the old, 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 old version, uh, the YouTube version of Sprite Castle, you may see some of the same games, but you know what? I mean, is it in these are all old games. So I, I guarantee you I will have forgotten what I said about them. So it'll be, they'll be all new to me and they'll be all new to you. And speaking of getting rid of things, I got rid of Patreon. I shut down my Patreon account. Now, Patreon is a great thing. I support several other podcasts uh, on Patreon and um, I do like Patreon's model. However, I have not been regular in my podcasting. I did not feel right keeping people as patrons when I wasn't producing content and my life is crazy. I travel for work. I have things going on. I have projects. I'm always in the middle of something. So I never know 
what my productivity uh, in regards to podcasting is actually going to be. So it's I'm just not regular enough of a podcaster to use um, Patreon. So uh, what I have done, if you go to podcast.robohead.com, I re-added the old link that I used to have. That allows you to buy me a beer. Uh, so there are a couple of PayPal links there. Um, and, uh, one is for $5 and one is for $10. If you want to send $0, I'm okay with that too. I'm not doing this show for the money. Uh, <laughs> flash to image of me just doing the backstroke in giant, uh, uh, swimming pool, you know, uh, Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> I'm like, I've reviewed all these games to millions of dollars. No, um, you know what? It, I save that money when that money comes in. I, I I think I've mentioned this before, but uh, through the Patreon, after I had gained so much money, one of the first things I bought was a silent clickable mouse, which is the mouse that I use during podcasts now. And when I click or scroll around and do things, you can't hear it. So uh, I do reinvest the money into the podcast and into the hobbies that support the podcasts. But if I never make a dime on it, that's okay. You know what? If um, it, we're in a crazy world right now, it's crazy times. Um, and I think people, you know, it's not good to totally check out and not watch the news and not know what's going on and stuff. But sometimes it is okay to do that. Sometimes it's okay to sit down and talk about video games for a few minutes. And that's what we do here, right? So um, if you do... You know, for the people that have asked for that link, and literally people have asked, hey, how can I send you money? That's the best way to do it. Um, but I'm not going to put it back on Patreon, like I said, just because um, I, th I think Patreon works really well if you have a set schedule. You put out a show once a week or, or twice a month or whatever your set schedule is, and I'm, I'm just uh, – I uh, uh, haven't been able to do that lately in my life, so – um, so I do have some Commodore 64 news that I scraped up. Of course, uh, I haven't done an episode in, in, uh, almost a year. So there's a lot of stuff to cover. So, uh, we're unfortunately going to have to skip over a lot of things that have happened, but I did find a couple of recent things. Um, you know, I did in my clipboard, I have a little clip area and the last news thing that I had, uh, was a link to the Commodore story documentary, which was released in 2018. Uh, and I did watch that. I went back and rewatched a little bit just to refresh, uh, uh, my mind. There are some great interviews in it. Again, it's called Commodore Story Documentary. You can find it. Uh, I think it's, there's some video on, on demand links, I believe. Um, there's interviews with Rob Hubbard. There's interviews with, uh, Leonard Trammell, uh, Bill Hurd, Ben Daglish. So lots of, uh, really heavy hitters in the Commodore world. The reviews I was able to find for this documentary, um, actually four of the five reviews on IMDb are five stars or less. And the most common thread in those reviews is that it's dry and it is somewhat of a dry documentary. It doesn't have a lot of the, the conflict. I mean, I mean, there's always conflict when you, <laughs> when you talk about, uh, Commodore, what happened to the company, but, um, you know, it's, it's not as sensational as a lot of other documentaries. And so, um, you know, there's, there's not the conflict. It's more informational. If you like Commodore stuff, though, it's definitely worth a watch. So uh, you might enjoy that. Over the last month, a version of Fix-It Felix Jr. was released for the Commodore 64 uh, by Broken Bites. And you could get that on Itch. I never say if it's, I used to say Itch.io, <laughs> but I guess it's Itch.io. Um, I will add a link to that. They have, uh, uh, have been donating some of the profits to different things. And so it is a free 
download and any of the money that you give uh, gets donated to different causes. Uh, I did get a chance to play this. I played it on the, um, uh, actually on my, uh, real, uh, 64, I think. Yeah. And, um, man, is it good. I mean, it's so, you know, it's funny that, that they made obviously for licensing reasons. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about in the movie, uh, Wreck-It Ralph, uh, there, it was all based on Wreck-It Ralph was, you know, kind of like Donkey Kong. Uh, and, and it was all based around a video game called Fix It Felix or Fix It Felix Jr. Uh, and it, it, which was a very Mario type game and, and Felix was a, uh, a little carpenter guy, but, it, but it was all a made up game just for that movie. And then people actually made, they recreated that game, uh, which you could play online. And then people actually took that game and put it inside arcade cabinets and made arcade cabinets that look like the Fix-It Felix cabinets that never existed in the first place. So it's this weird kind of meta uh, thing. But now the game has been ported to the Commodore 64. It's a lot of fun. It's really fun. Uh, and again, it just looks absolutely fantastic and big Big plus and shout out to the Broken Bites guys. Um, uh, and I, I'm sure that I follow, I do know that I follow them on Twitter and, uh, and they're always posting Commodore 64 stuff. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for something to play on your 64, definitely go check that out. Uh, and finally, I saw a news headline scroll by about Pad Switcher 64. I will add a link, uh, to the show notes if you're interested in this. There are instructions on how to build this little item on GitHub. And so I will pass that along. I don't know that they have a product that you can buy off the shelf yet. But what this is, is a uh, adapter for Super Nintendo controllers to be able to use those on the Commodore 64. And, and um, you know, I grew up uh, playing Atari and then Commodore. So I was used to Atari joysticks and then the uh, the classic Epics and the Craft joystick. Those were my two go-to, and I, I still use those today. Uh, but as far as game pads go, Super Nintendo is one of my favorites. And so I may, I don't know how complicated this thing is to, uh, put the code together. Um, but, uh, uh, I mean, if I were going to play with a game pad, man, it would be really great to use, uh, a Super Nintendo one. So I may, uh, take a look at that. Anyway, those are this week's headlines brought to you by my local paper boy who just ran into someone's motorcycle. Just one of those days. Now that we're done with this week's news, let's talk about this week's snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. Well, you know, Kickstart 2 is a two-player game. It's most fun when two people are playing head-to-head. And my friend Jeff, when I was a kid, uh, would spend the night at my house. I would spend the night at his house. Uh, and we would stay up late or whatever, and then we would get up, but we would be responsible for making our own breakfast. Now, a lot of times, for me, I was a cereal kid. I would always, uh, Lucky Charms, Cocoa Pebbles, Cocoa Puffs, you know, anything that had sugar and milk or whatever. But Jeff was lactose intolerant. Anytime he had, especially cereal, you know, with milk, it would upset his stomach. And so we had to cook something else for breakfast. And so I remember when he would spend the night, a lot of times we'd get up in the morning and I would make scrambled eggs with cheese. Now, my dad makes amazing scrambled eggs. Uh, he, you know, obviously puts them in a, a skillet. He adds a little bit of milk to fluff them up. He'll put uh, bell peppers, onions, things like that. I didn't do any of that, you know, uh, because I learned 
that you can also microwave scrambled eggs. And so that's the way that I used to make scrambled eggs. You'd crack a couple of eggs into a uh, a bowl, just like um, Chicky says there on uh, from Paw Rappa. Crack, crack, crack the eggs into the bowl. Uh, stir them up, add a little bit of milk to that, and uh, put them in the microwave. I think you could do two eggs for a minute, maybe a little over a minute. And uh, when you're done, you will have something that resembles scrambled eggs. They're not quite as good as the uh, scrambled eggs that you make uh, you know, normally on top of the stove, but uh, they're not bad. But that's what we would make. We would make scrambled eggs and go back to my room uh, and sprinkle a little bit. Of, we always put a little bit of sprinkled cheese <laughs> on top of there. And if we had it, you know, just a little hint of salsa. But that was uh, our little go-to thing. We would go in there and microwave uh, some eggs, put a little salsa, a little cheese on top of it, take it back in there and play Kickstart 2. So that is the official talking snack of this episode. Um, and I suppose if you wreck really bad, your brains will be scrambled egg. That's a terrible segue that I just made up uh, to lead us into this week's game, which is Kickstart 2. Kickstart 2 uh, was published for the Commodore 64 in 1987 by Mastertronic and developed by Mr. Chip Software. It is a game for one or two players that uses joystick or keyboard controls. Now, one thing I need to say right off the bat, why are we talking about Kickstart 2 and not Kickstart 1? Well, Kickstart 2 is everything that Kickstart 1 was and more. It has uh, more levels, it has better levels, and it has a level editor built in. So Kickstart, the original, was okay. Kickstart 2, much better. So if you're only going to play one, uh, you could skip Kickstart and go right to Kickstart 2. Uh, as I said, Kickstart 2 uh, was developed by Mr. Chip Software. Mr. Chip Software was founded by Sean Southern and Andrew Morris all the way back in 1982. And on this game, uh, Sean is listed as the programmer and Andrew is listed as the artist. They continued business as Mr. Chip through 1988, and they finally closed in 1999. They released multiple, um, oh, I'm sorry, they became Magnetic Fields, I should say, in 1988. So uh, they were uh, Mr. Chip Software through from 82 to 88, then Magnetic Fields, and then finally closed their doors in 99. Uh, Commodore 64 titles you might be familiar. They did Lotus Esprit Turbo Challenge. They did Supercars, which I know is a uh, a big favorite of uh, one of my other favorite podcasts, the Amigos podcast, so shout out to those guys. Uh, they also coded Pac-Mania and then, of course, Kickstart 1 and 2. For the Amiga, they also did the Lotus Trilogy. They did Supercars 1 and 2 for the Amiga. Uh, Kid Chaos, which is another uh, really fun game. Mastertronic was the publisher of this game. They were founded in 1984, and they specialized in publishing budget games. Uh, most of their games cost between uh, $199 and £299, pounds, uh, which would be maybe a little bit more U.S. at that time. Uh, you could get them at Toys R Us. I remember seeing Mastertronic games at my local Toys R Us. Mr. Chip Software and the Darling Brothers uh, teamed up. They eventually became Codemasters. Now, in 1987, Mastertronic bought out uh, Melbourne House, which was more of a full-price 
software company, and so they they changed their market a little bit. Uh, around that time, they also began developing arcade hardware, um, and they uh, were actually the company that was behind the Arcadia, which, if you've never heard, is a Amiga 500 board that was used in arcade games. Um, they also marketed things to uh, Sega Master System in the UK, not uh, in the US as much, I don't think. Um, and then in 1987, Virgin Group acquired 45% of the company's shares. Uh, and then Sega completed and purchased them outright in 1988. So uh, they became Virgin Mastertronic. Uh, after that merger, um, and then Virgin Interactive Entertainment is what they eventually became. So uh, they were they were kind of sucked up into that. Uh, Commodore games that you might know: BMX Racers, Bionic Granny, which is uh, <laughs> maybe we'll cover that. They did Pigs in Space. Uh, they did the Quest for the Holy Grail, the Last V8, and Action Biker. Uh, some of this information, and there is a lot more information on uh, Mastertronic in Retro Gamer issue number one, which I have a copy of. If you're not reading Retro Gamer, uh, you should. It was a great magazine. It is a great magazine. And um, uh, they did a whole interview, uh, a whole in-depth article about Mastertronic in issue number one. From the U.S., like I am, you may not have known that Kickstart was actually a motorcycle trials series on BBC television. It began airing in 1979 and aired all the way through 1988. So uh, the show was produced by Derek Smith. He is the same guy that ended up, he went on uh, to produce Top Gear. Now, nobody in the U.S. knows that. (laughs) I don't know anybody that has ever heard of this show. So... Uh, I literally, until I started researching this episode, I didn't know that. I never heard of Kickstart the TV show. There are some funny YouTube clips of the show out there. And most importantly, the music from the show is the music to the video game. I had no idea. Now, this game has some catchy music, but I want you to just listen to the two compared here. I literally had no idea. I uh, just literally, I'm sure every person in the UK is like, how did you not know that? <laughs> but I didn't. Um, now the uh, box and manual. So on the box, you have this, uh, I guess it's probably airbrushed, uh, this little collage. There's a, uh, a blue and yellow motorcycle rider. Uh, there's also a guy in a, a white suit that's uh, like driving over a log or something. I mean, this is all part of the, the trials thing, the blue and yellow Motorcycle guy is weaving in and out of orange cones. And then there's a 
Third guy in the back with a green helmet on. He's got sweat just pouring off him. And then you have uh, Kickstart 2. And then right underneath there, of course, um, it says plus course designer so that you know you're getting, um, you know, a little bit extra. Um, you uh, On the back, it says uh, ride your bike all over 24 all-action courses in this new and improved version of Kickstart. Devise your own mind-bendingly torturous test with the course designer or make things really easy. The choice is yours. <laughs> Why would you make things really easy? Why would you just make a straight <laughs> track? That would be dumb. Uh, so anyway, on the Commodore 64, once it's loaded, we get the uh, title screen and it says Kickstart 2, the construction set. The Kickstart, actual uh, Kickstart 2 logo has that really cool blue color fade that we used to always see like in demos um, that almost looks uh, graffiti-like. And there are a few little, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like lens flashes, little twinkles around it. Uh, it says uh, by Sean Southern and graphics by Andrew Morris. Um, the uh, logo and information are on the top third of the screen. The bottom two thirds are a picture of a motorcycle rider. He's wearing a brown jacket um, gray pants. He's standing next to obviously an off-road enduro bike. There's a sign, a, a, like a traffic sign that just has an exclamation point. <laughs> like, don't, don't go here. <laughs> there's, uh, you know, a mountain in the background, but it's a really cool picture. It's, it's, um, you know, indicative of that, um, mid eighties style pixel art, you know, I mean, it's, it's definitely not the advanced stuff that we have today, but yeah, I mean, it looks fine. You know, it says Mastertronic copyright, uh, 87 by Mr. Chip software. And then there is a little paint can with spilled paint. And then the letter a written on the paint can, which I never knew what that a stood for. But now that I know that the graphics are by Andrew Morris, that's obviously, um, the a is for Andrew. Uh, past this, we get to the menu screen. Now, on the menu screen, there's a series of icons. Uh, there's one to play the game. There's a stopwatch, uh, for if you want to do timed racing. There's a link to the course designer. Uh, you can play two players and it is a split screen horizontally, I guess. So, uh, you know, one player is the top half, one is the bottom half. There's a one player versus the clock mode. Uh, and then there is the queue down at the bottom. Every game of Kickstart consists of five different tracks, and there are 24 tracks to choose from, which are represented by the letters A through X. So you can build which five tracks you want to race on. You can do A-A-A-A-A or A-B-C-D-E or whatever, or there's also a, if you hit Z, it will randomize the five tracks, uh, you know, to keep things, uh, keep fair. You know, if you've got the home field advantage, you play this a lot, and and mastered uh, five tracks and your friend has it, you can just press Z and it'll randomize them. Uh, the controls, it's most, this game is most easily played with a joystick. I, I, you can use the keyboard, but why, why would you? Um, the uh, left on the joystick slows you down. That is your brake and right speeds you up. This is a, you're, you're racing from left to right. So that, that's uh that makes sense when you're playing the game up does a wheelie. Uh, the fire button jumps. It's like a, uh, like a bunny hop type of, uh, <laughs> maneuver that you do. Uh, also fire starts. The fire button starts, uh, the level, you know, when you're waiting uh, to begin. Restore will restart the game if you tap the restore button. And then one button that you may be looking for is Q, which turns off the music. Now, 
I just mentioned how much I enjoy the music and how it's, you know, very similar to the TV show theme, uh, but it does get pretty repetitive. It's not very long and it loops over and over and over. Uh, within one game of Kickstart, you will be tired of the theme music. I had not played this game in 20 years. And I could sing the tune. <laughs> I could easily, if you said, what's the theme to kickstart? I could immediately start doing it. Um, now there are alternative. If you only have one joystick and two people want to play, there are keyboard alternatives. Uh, for player one, you could use control for the brake, two to accelerate, one to do the wheelie and the space bar to jump. Again, a lot easier just to get two joysticks. So as I said in the gameplay, uh, you are racing on motorcycles from left to right, um, and each course is filled with, uh, gosh, I don't know, a dozen different types of obstacles. So you have to learn which obstacles, uh, how to navigate each one. Like there's a fence that you drive on top of a fence. Well, if you're driving on a fence, you have to go very slowly. If you do a wheelie, You'll crash. You'll fall off. You can't do a wheelie on that. There are jumps. Well, you have to jump, you know, press your button to jump when you're at the top. And and you have to figure out, like, what speed to do all these things. So um, it's not the guy who's the fastest. It's the guy that sees each type, you know, times his jumps properly, sees what type of uh, environment is coming up and, and, you know, does manages it the best way that they can, right? So. Um, now, if you fall, and you will fall, <laughs> you will do a little front flip, and you get placed at the next flat section of the track. Now, if you're in an area, and, and it moves very slowly, the slowest possible speed to get you there. So, it's not an advantage to crash and then get moved forward. So if there's a long section of a track that's a bunch of jumps and there's nowhere to put you, it will just scroll very slowly until it gets past all those jumps and then put your motorcycle. So um, it's definitely you want to try to stay on your motorcycle as much as possible. Now, uh, as far as scoring goes, there's not a score in regards to points, but you are scored by time. So whoever has the lowest time of all five tracks combined wins, which is nice. Um, so that, it, you know, if you're better at one single track, it's still averaged out. So you, you're not necessarily going to win the entire game just based off of that. Uh, and each track, maintains its own high score and by high score I mean best time so it it does track that um uh so that's pretty cool then um it, there's this whole second part of the game which is the course editor where you could go in and um uh I don't know that uh, I think load runner when I think of of course editors uh, the gold standard, if you will, is load runner where you can go in and, and create your own levels. Um, uh, but, but this is so easy to do. Uh, you could go in and you just use a joystick and you pick different, uh, obstacles and place them where you want it. It's super simple to do. And obviously you can load your courses and, uh, uh, uh you know, previous ones that you've made and you can save the ones that you've created. So, um, it's pretty cool. You know, I definitely remember playing with my friend Jeff and, you know, me making courses at home and taking them over to his house and, and, uh, you know, vice versa us doing that. So, um, yeah, uh, the course editor, especially if you have someone else to play with a lot of fun. 
So let's look at some of the reviews of Kickstart 2. Um, Zap64 gave this game 86%. It says extremely playable. And uh, the reviewer said, one of my favorite games of all time. So that's nice. Uh, Commodore User gave it an 8 out of 10 and said, I simply cannot put this game down for too long. Uh, and Commodore Computing gave it an award, Budget Game of the Year. So it was very positively reviewed. It was a good game uh, back then. And, uh, man, it's still very playable today. Uh, under Ports. We have uh, Kickstart, a.k.a. Kickstart the Off-Road Simulator. Um, it is available for the Commodore 4, uh, and, well, the Plus 4 and the 16, and also for 8-bit computers. Now, it's a little bit different. It's been, uh, to make it work on those machines, there are only 8 playable levels instead of 24, and the graphics are not uh, quite as good. But uh, you can still get it for um, Atari, you know, or uh, those those other Commodore computers. Kickstart 2 was also released for the Commodore 128, which is very uh, unusual that they would not only make the, the same game for the 64 and then tweak it for the 128. Um, I've seen this listed. It's called Kickstart 128, or sometimes you'll see it as Kickstart 1.5. Uh, it has the same 24 levels, but it does not have the course creator. So I really don't know what the advantage of Kickstart 128 is over. I would just get the regular Kickstart 2 and play that for the Commodore 64. You can play it on the 128 as well. Um, and then uh, Kickstart 2 was also ported to the Amiga. The Amiga version is also really good. There's a version uh, for the Amstrad, and it's also on the ZX Spectrum for uh, I guess people that can't afford a Commodore 64. <laughs> Boom, I hide the zings right there in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> um, I did check on eBay for copies. Uh, there is a complete copy of Kickstart 2 for $15, and that's with free shipping. That is a floppy disk version. Uh, there's also a cassette version for $5 and $5 shipping. So definitely not an expensive title. Uh, and if you're not looking to own the original, it's available everywhere ROMs are sold. And now for my personal memories of Kickstarter 2. All right, time Well, as I've said many times, Jeff was my uh, Commodore buddy. He had a Commodore. I had a Commodore. And so um, when we would get together, you know, there were games that were one-player type games and where you would alternate back and forth. But the best games were the ones where you could compete head-to-head. -head. We played um, a lot of Wizard of War. We played um, Top Gun where, we, you know, you would chase each other and shoot. You know. So any of the type of games like that where you could – play against one another were, were popular for us. And Kickstart 2 was definitely one of those games. I remember sitting at his house and playing it and my house and playing it. Uh, so it was definitely uh, one that was in regular rotation for us. Uh, also, around this time, I turned 14 years old and I got my own motorcycle. So I got a motorcycle license in Oklahoma. You could get a motorcycle license when you're 14, two years before you could get a regular car driver's license. And so from the age of 14 to 16, I drove a motorcycle everywhere. And so that made this game that much more 
fun to me. Now I never rode a motorcycle, balanced it on a fence. <laughs> I had a I had a street motorcycle, so I definitely didn't want to take it off road and, and try to jump it or do any of the things that uh, you do in Kickstart too. But uh, it there was something about you know I was always drawn to motorcycle games on the Commodore because I had a motorcycle, you know? And so uh, that's just kind of my memory of this game. Again, playing it head to head, uh, you know, it's one of those games that's, I mean, it's, it's fun. If you, if it's fun for a while to play by yourself, especially if you're trying to learn how to um, maneuver through some of the different obstacles, um, you know, and just practice and things like that. But when it's most fun is when you're sitting there next to a buddy and you both have a joystick and you're just, uh, you know, you're trying to go as fast as you can through a course that makes you go slow. <laughs> so there's, there's a dichotomy there that's, uh, that makes this game a lot of fun. For graphics, we're going to give Kickstart 2 a uh, 5 out of 5 wheelies. It's, um, I mean, they're, they're simple, but you can tell what everything is, and it, it, everything serves a purpose. For music, we're going to go 4 out of 5 wheelies. The music is very good, but it does get repetitive pretty quick. Sound effects, again, I'm going to go 3 out of 5, not because they're terrible, but they're pretty repetitive and there aren't that many of them. But... Overall gameplay, we're going to go 5 out of 5 for Kickstarter 2. This is a must-play for the Commodore 64. It's a lot of fun by yourself, but it's more fun if you're going to play with a friend. listening to another episode of Sprite Castle. If you'd like to send me a game request or provide feedback about this or any other episode, you can email me at robohara at robohara.com, contact me on Twitter at Commodore, follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash robcasts, or leave me a voicemail on my podcast hotline anytime, day or night at 405-486-YDKF. Sprite Castle can be found on iTunes, podcast.robohara.com and throwbacknetwork.net your home for quality retro podcasts thanks again for listening now get back to kickstarting my heart and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle <laughs>